I got a billion dollar mindset, steady as a flow, navigating all my time spent, letting niggas know. Billion dollar, billion dollar. Hey yo, what is going on? Welcome to the show, Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, and I'm a parkour athlete turned real estate investor. I spent the last eight years of my life studying mindset of elite performers and applying those lessons to my own life. In my pursuit for success, I've sought out wisdom from mentors who are doing exactly what I want to do in all areas of life. So I've asked that they share their wins and losses with me, and in my search for those answers, this podcast was born. I wanted to share that valuable advice that I was receiving from successful entrepreneurs investors and world-class athletes so thank you all for tuning in this show is for free and my guests do give their precious time to be here so i do ask for something in exchange to show our thanks i ask that the price of admission be you share this if you get any value you go onto your social media you share it with your friends you share it with your family you share it with your co-workers you share it with people in the streets look my goal is to influence 1 million people to invest in themselves and to unlock their own potential and i can't do that alone listen real talk you guys are about to enjoy this episode with keto kutla i mean we talked about everything under the sun So Keto explains how he actually escaped from his country of Laos as a child, came to America, went through that traditional route where you're going to go to school, you're going to get a good education, get a good job, but actually broke free from that traditional nine to five mold. And he had to fight through so many different trials and tribulations to continue going. He actually had some major setbacks that caused him to question himself as a provider, husband, man, and father of his kids, but recognized that if he trusted in God, trusted in faith, trusted in himself, and kept going, that ultimately it would be better on the other side. And today, Keto is crushing it in the real estate investment space. He's doing flip after flip. He's still a licensed broker, and he is now supporting his family and showing them the way to generational wealth. So I'm super excited for you guys to listen to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, and today my guest is Keto Kutla. Keto is such a genuinely caring human being that it makes me happy to know he even exists. Seriously, like if you go on his Facebook page, you're going to see tons of videos that Keto uploads where he spreads positive messages that are inspirational and motivational. Keto has quite the life journey so far. I mean, out of high school, he went straight to college, went to DeVry University and received a degree in engineering and technology. He landed a pretty good job, but soon realized the job was draining his spirit and he needed change. So he transitioned into real estate on the agent side of things and began the journey that he is on today. So although this journey and transition into real estate wasn't quite perfect right away, Keto stuck through it over the years. He had some ups, he had some downs, and now today we see that he's closing deals, he's flipping houses, and things seem really awesome. What I'm excited about tonight is to hear from Keto all about the different parts of the journey that maybe we didn't see and what he's learned along the way. So Keto, man, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. Um, It is a pleasure to be here and I feel honored. Thank you very much. Awesome. So let's take it back to the beginning because I feel like most people, at least my audience, don't quite know you yet. Um, So can we go back, let's say, you know, like a decade ago or even a little bit longer when you're still on that traditional route of go to school, get a good education and grab a job? You know, how was that for you? You know, it was interesting because, you know, my family and I, we came over to the U.S., 
um, in, in, in uh, 1981, we actually escaped from Laos. So we, we made the harrowing journey from, you know, from coming across the Mekong River. And I actually wrote a book about that it's called Freedom Crossing, where it, it describes how we actually came across the Mekong River. So long story short, I'll give you like a, a summary. So it, 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 was, it was at night, right? Um, I remember my mom taking me to, you know, to a friend's house. She says, oh, we're going to a friend's house, right? And, um, and I remember when we got to the friend's house, it was kind of different because we weren't really allowed to play outside or, or go anywhere, just kind of stay inside. And um, so, um, so while we were there, you know, in the middle of my mom wakes me up. Like, hey, Keto, we're gonna go. I have uh, two, two, uh, two sisters and then a, an older brother, right? So I was like, at the time, the youngest child. And we snuck down into the forest, right? I shouldn't say forest, into the jungle. So where the only light we had was the light from the moon, okay? So we went and, um, because you can't just, you can't just like, you know, take a plane and be off, you know, you, you had it very secretively. So, so we went into the jungle, got into a boat. It was like a four man canoe, right? But we fit like 10 people in here because it was another family that was with us. So as we started across the Mekong River, the boat was leaking. And then, so the parents started, you know, using their shoes and uh, trying to check out the water and uh, the luggage, right? So they, the, the luggage, they were throwing the luggage out forward and we got into land. What we thought was land was quicksand. Right, so we got stuck in quicksand. And then luckily my dad was able to pull us out. We ended up in a refugee camp. And then while we were there, fortunately we got sponsored by a church in out of all places, Montana, right? Billings, Montana. So we ended up there, okay? And so, you know, now that my, you know, my parents, you know, land of opportunity, right? So now you're gonna go to school you're, you're going to get good grades, you're going to go to college, you're going to get a job. So that was kind of their mindset of why they wanted to come to America is for the American dream. So after high school, I, you know, I went right away to college, you know, graduated a degree in engineering. And I was on the path of, you know what, working, you know, the, 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 you know, nine to five engineer job, I was making decent money. And, um, and I, what happened was I got my first job, I did well, and the in the late 1990s, the tech industry took took a nosedive, right? And so, because I was kind of new, I was the first one to get laid off. So I ended up moving to Seattle. So this is where I am now, and I ended up working, um, stayed with my sister for a while. But my friends from college got me a job at Hewlett Packard, so I was working at Hewlett Packard. Okay, so here I am, got my life. You know, life is going good. Got my engineer job and one thing I knew is like, I didn't want to rent, right? Because my thing is, you know what? For an extra couple hundred dollars more, I can own my own place, why rent, okay? So I ended up getting um, my first property, okay? Now, I didn't know, I was new. I was like 20, 23 years old, right? I, I, I didn't know, like I didn't know about inspections and all this. I, I had a realtor, you know, till I was looking for a home. She showed me a, a home that was in foreclosure. I knew it needed work, which I was fine with, like, okay. But little did I know when I got the keys to the house and I turned on the water, the walls were leaking, right? 
So it was bursted pipe because I bought it in the middle of, uh, I bought it in February. So it was winter time. And so, you know, luckily, you know, I, my friends and I, we, you know, rolled up our sleeves and fixed it, right? And so that was kind of like my first thing. Now, I didn't realize I did about, you know, house hacking because I, I kind of did this unintentionally, but now it's a popular thing to house hack, right? So I ended up, you know, fixing up the place. I got, I got my roommates. I got roommates because I was single at the time. So they ended up paying like two thirds of my mortgage. Okay. It's like, oh, this is good. So then from there, I, I took the equity. I bought another property. Okay. So, and I kept as rental, bought another property. And then of course, you know, most investors, right? The book that changes their life is Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? I think everybody that you speak to, they're always saying, okay, you know, what's a book that, I, I'll be honest, that was the catalyst for me, but it was uh, one of my coworkers. Um, he actually introduced me the book on Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I started reading that. I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Okay, uh, you know, using other people's money, leveraging. And so I said, okay. So I, you know, from there I bought, you know, another property, right? And then, um, so I had like about three properties I was still single at, at the time. And then that's all, all I kept doing was just, you know, buying properties. So I was playing, if you ever played Cashflow 101, mm -hmm. So I was I was playing the game, trying to get a, get out the, the rat race, right? And then so when I had about you know five five properties, I thought you know what I'm buying all these properties and the agents they're not doing anything for me, right? They just open the door, they show me the house, and they're collecting this commission, right? And here I am crunching my numbers, making sure that works, and then you know all they do is just open the door for me, write the contract, and they get you know a, a fee. So I thought you know what let me get my license. Not that I could sell real estate per se, but just for, for my own purposes, right? And, um, and this is at the time I, I've met my, my girlfriend, now my wife, right? She, um, she was also had some interest in real estate, but wasn't, um, didn't really know much about it, you know, but she, she knew the idea about investing. So um, what, what she did was we started doing uh, lease options, right? We would put abandoned signs out there, you know, rent, rent to own, because we actually took took a course. And then one thing about like, you know, like learning something is you really have to apply it, right? I mean, there's especially right now, there's so many information out there, like the age of information, right? If you want to learn something, go on YouTube, you can learn it, right? And so that, this is pre-YouTube time, right? So uh, but you know, I went to a lease option class and we started doing some, some lease options and we started um, converting the people that was, that was uh, calling up for the, our, on our banded signs. We thought, you know what, maybe we see if they could convert them, maybe they can, can get a loan. Of course, back in those days, you, you know, you started getting a loan, it was 2005, 2006. This is, if you know history, right, that the market's starting to heat up, right? So, and so we were converting, um, you know, buyers, I mean, tenant buyers into actual buyers, right? And then my girlfriend, wife, ah, wife, right? So your friends started asking, hey, I know, you know, you guys invest, what do you, could you teach us? So then she would set appointments with me. So I still had a full-time job as an engineer, right? So after work, 
she would set up appointments for me. I would kind of sit down with them, kind of show them how to analyze properties, see what they want. And because, you know, I was surprised like how many agents themselves did not invest in real estate, right? They can sell you a property. Um, and I mean, they see deals all the time, but uh, probably a handful of them will actually acquire it themselves, right? So I was showing them how, how to buy properties and how to turn it acquired and do a rent to loan on, on the back end or turn into a rental, right? So um, what had happened was I really liked the, the real estate side and here I am as an engineer, you know, my day was spent inside of a um, computer uh, room, right? A server room, it's, it's cold, it's bright and um, you're know, surrounded by computers, you know? And so when it breaks, my job was to fix it. And, and I'm always, you know, reading or, or learning stuff about real estate. Um, so I thought, man, you know what? My part-time income as, as in, in real estate as an agent was exceeding my full-time income as an engineer. Okay, I thought, hmm, you know, and I thought I was making some decent money, you know, as, as, as an engineer. It's like, you know what? I, I think I want to do full-time. If I can make this kind of money part-time, think what I can do full-time, right? So I, I talked to um, uh, my girlfriend and now, you know, now we're becoming a couple now. She's my fiance and stuff like that, right? Long story short, we, we end up getting married. So, so she encouraged me, yeah, if, if this is what you want to do, then, then, then just, just do it, right? So I made the jump. My parents was, they weren't too happy because I, you know, you went to school for engineering and now you just want to sell real estate, right? And even though uh, my parents, they're kind of entrepreneur because they, they own, um, they had their own business, right? Growing up in, in, in the restaurant business. So they sell at the farmer's market. So I grew up in that kind of environment, watching them be entrepreneurs, but yet they wanted me to, you know, get a job, work from nine to five, you know, you know, in that rat race, right? But I thought, you know what, let, let me take a jump. So I, I, I took the leap and I did um, jump in real estate full-time. And I was fortunate we, we did extremely well, right? Um, we were probably one of the top 10% in our, um, in, in our company for, uh, for real estate sales, okay? So life was good. By then, I was about 30 years old. I had about 10 rental properties. And right, I'm thinking, man, you know, life, life is good, man. By the time I'm 40, by the time I'm 40, I should be, you know, semi-retired or at least have the ability to, um, you know, have the choice to do things, okay? Well, as you know, 2009, 2010 hit, right? Mm. It was horrible. It was, um, it was bad, right? I mean, like looking back, it's like, wow, you know, I can't believe I survived it, right? Because I was, you know, because I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes through that journey, right? Um, and, and one was I was banking on appreciation because, you know, back time, real estate was just going up like, you didn't have to be that smart, right? You, you, you just bought and like a couple months later, you're already making 40, 50, 60,000, sometimes $100,000 more than what you paid for, okay? So here I am thinking, I, thinking that I know what I was doing, right? But it was just the market just heating up, right? And when it was down, because 
I, I was highly leveraged. So I took a lot of, you know, took out of loans. And, you know, at the time I was making good money as, as a realtor because I was, you know, I was selling a lot of houses, right? And then I was negative each month. But at the time I thought, well, you know what? I'm making good money. You know, being negative was, was okay, you know? Because I was probably, you know, like maybe $20,000 negative each month, right? Because I'm... I, I did not do a good job at running the numbers. Even though I was an engineer, I'm supposed to know my numbers, right? <laughs> I was just banking on appreciation. Now, you know what? This is like a forced savings account. That's what they say. Like, you're negative, you know? That's okay. Just like a savings account, you're paying yourself, right? Bad mistake because at that, um, so 2010, 2011, I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. The, the, the market was just, was just devastating. I was like about ready to lose my house, right? I, I ended up, um, you know, letting properties go through, you know, foreclosure, short sales, whatever I could. I was just liquidating wow. homes like you couldn't believe. And in, in, in hindsight, because I was helping people too, you know, as, as an agent, I was helping them do loan modifications, doing short sales. Literally, people wanted to hand me their keys to their house because they didn't know, like, they were underwater, Right. And, and I was, even my own house, I was trying to save my, my, you know, myself too, right? And in, in hindsight, knowing what I know now, man, things would be totally <laughs> different, right? For real. Oh my <laughs> yeah, for God. Real. So, so anyways, it was, it was probably the lowest point of my life because, you know, all my life, I've experienced nothing but just the, the ride going up, right? And, and oftentimes, I would hear stories about other entrepreneurs that crashed and burned, filed for bankruptcy, right? Well, I found myself in that same situation, Marlon. I was like, man, I ended up filing, you know, for bankruptcy, ended up owning the IRS, like 300,000 in back taxes, right? Because I mean, for a period of years, I was not paying my taxes, right? And, you know, I ended up losing all my, you know, my real estate holdings, over $2 million in real estate, right? And I was like, man, like I was out of the game. I was like knocked out. My, my wife didn't even want to speak to me. She didn't want anything to do with real estate, okay? And, you know, I have, you know, three kids, right? And, and being the, um, the father, you know, being the man of the house, I really felt that, you know, it was my responsibility, you know, it's our responsibility to, to take care of my family. And at that time, I really felt like I was not, I was not providing for my family. I, I was not the, the quote unquote, you know, being the man of the house, right? It was really dark. I remember Marlon, the, you know, the, the lowest point for me was my, my daughter's birthday, right? And um, I, I was literally, like so broke, I had to sneak into her room, go grab a, go into her piggy bank so I can get some money so I can go out and buy her a present at the dollar store, okay? Just so I can buy her a present at the dollar store. And, and I remember that so distinctively because I was, it was, it was a very low point in, in my, my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. Right, so I, I knew that the Lord, you know, put me on this earth, you know, to to succeed, to thrive, right, and um, 
And so I said, Lord, you know, help me be the man you created me to be. I mean, I was literally just in tears. Like, how can I not be able to provide for my family? Like being able to, you know, go and, you know, get some money from my doctor so I can go to the dollar store to get a, a present. Like who, what kind of man does this to his family? Right, so I, I knew that I had to get right with myself. I knew that I, I knew that I had to change, right? And so I just went on this, this personal journey of just personal growth. I mean, I've always been into personal development and, you know, like having that positive mindset. But I, I tell you what, I, 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 was, I was tested big time, right? And, and I really just had to, to, to reconnect with, with myself and learn and, and, and grow, right? But one thing in the back of my mind throughout this whole ordeal is that I knew that I, I knew that real estate was the was a vehicle is a vehicle, to, you know, towards financial freedom. Okay, at the time, yes, I, I messed up. I, I might have not done things correctly, and I was telling my wife, you know, this is um, you know, this is before we got married. I said, honey, let's not let the money be the thing that separates us, because fifty percent of marriages end up in a divorce due to finances, okay? And so, you know, before we got married and, and life was good, I, I, I told her this, let, let's not let money be what separates us. As long as I have my health, I will build our dreams. That was, my, that was my promise to her, right? So despite of not having anything, I mean, I tell you, talk about being broke. I kid you not, there was time where it was, it was summertime we were driving a minivan. I didn't even have gas. So I had to go into my shed to go get the lawnmower gas so I can drive my kids around at the park just so we can spend time at the park, right? And um, so, and I mean, it was, it was really dark. It was really lonely um, part of my life. But what I realized was there's people out there that are willing to help you that you, you have to be willing to ask for help, right? And I, I was kind of prideful, right? I, I let my pride get in the way, like, man, you know what? I've, I've done this, I've done that. Like, I, I don't need any help, you know? You put that exterior that everything's okay. But down deep, I mean, it, my life was crumbling emotionally, financially, you know, spiritually, it was just all, all crumbling. And when I realized that, you know what, you like, you got to be able to face the truth. Like whatever happens in your life, whatever it is, you got to just be able to face it and see for what it is, right? And then from there, you can start the process of, of growing and then moving from where you are to where you want to be, right? So I was like, you know what? I had to dig deep. I had to grow to really get myself out and just be humble and, you know, be willing to ask for help. Like, you know, asking my brothers, my sisters, you know, say, hey, look, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably lose my house. Like I can't, you know, um, I can't pay my mortgage, right? I, 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 I don't have food on, you know, like I could barely, you know, put food on the table, right? So just, just being more humble and just asking for help and then knowing that it's asking for help is not a sign of weakness, right? You know? Because there's people that who genuinely want you to succeed. They want you to thrive. The people that love you want to see you succeed. And so it was me it was just saying, okay, you know what? I, I, I need some help. And so it was from that point where I, 
you know, got my head out of the sand because I was in denial for a while, you know, and then, you know, got my head out of the sand and said, you know what, you know what, I'm going to start over, start, you know, so, you know, end up filing for bankruptcy and just read, you know, stop real estate for a while. You know, I was like, no more real estate. Just, just, just let it go. But however, in the back of my mind, I knew real estate was a vehicle. And I told my wife, okay, this was years later, right? It's like, you know, honey, I know that we, that we crashed and burning real estate, okay? I don't want that experience to go to waste, okay? Now that we've kind of gone out of it, I, I don't want that just to be, oh gosh, we went through it, next. I want to take that experience. I want to glean something from that that can help us grow in the future, okay? So I, I didn't want that experience to go away because sometimes when we go through pain, we just want to forget about the pain, right? But it's in those darkest moments, in those darkest moments where we can get some gold nuggets from there and be able to grow from that, just take some juice, squeeze that juice, right? So, you know, I always, you know, encourage people like, uh, you know, no matter where you are in life, you know, I mean, especially if you're down, you know what? The great thing about being down, the only way is up, right? The only way is up, like it can't get any worse. You know, I mean, I, I thought it was mine. You know what, they, they took my car away. I mean, I never had a repossession before, but I had a good, you know, I mean, they, they, they took my car, I had to borrow my parents' car, right? <laughs> to get around. But you know what? You know, it's just being humble. You know, it's like, you know what? I'm starting over and, and, and I'm moving forward. And so it was from, so I got back into real estate after we got our foot in the ground because I started a, 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 a food truck business, right? And that was, that was thriving and um, we were doing really well. So I asked my wife, I said, you know, honey, I, I want to get back into real estate again. And one thing is if, if you're married, you know, having, you got to have a spouse that is in line with your, with your goals and your vision, okay? Because I'll be the first one to tell you that I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for my wife that was by my side. You know, when, you know, when you get married and say through thick and thin, I tell you what, you know, my wife is a keeper. You know, she was there for me, you know, when I had it, she was there for me when I didn't have anything, you know, and she's here for me now as, as we rebuild our future together, okay? So, yeah, so I tell you, having a spouse or a partner, whoever, you know, that's with you, you know, have them be, you know, share the same vision, share the same goals, right? Be in alignment with each other because when two are aligned, miracles happen. Right. So she's stuck by my side. So you know what? I, um, cause she's shied away from real estate. Every time I mentioned real estate, she says, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. So in late 2017, you know, I said, honey, I, I want to get back into real estate. You know, during this time, I still kept my real estate license. I wasn't as active, but I knew that eventually I would go back. So I didn't want to have to start over with the licensing stuff. You know, I'll just kind of keep it active and maybe I did a deal here or there, but that really wasn't my, my focus at that time. I was just trying to get my feet back on the ground. So in late 2017, you know, she, she gave me the permission to say, you know what, you can go back in, into, into real estate. Okay. It's like, okay. You know, they're just, I was thinking, okay, maybe get back into doing the normal real estate sales type thing. So my, my first, my first deal, 
Okay, so this is what kind of got me started and um, in, in, in wholesaling. And I didn't realize that that's what it was called, right? So I, 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 found, I found a property because I called them up on an expired listing. I thought maybe I'll just list a property, right? But, but you know what? So she said, yeah, I, I, it's like, do you want to sell? Yes, I, I, I want to sell. It's like, okay. And um, what are you asking for? She gave me this, this number. It's like, okay. So I drove by the property and it was a riverfront property. It's like, oh man, this property is nice. Yes, it needed a lot of work. Like, man, it needed a lot of work. And then I thought, you know what? What if um, I could I could list this, but what if I try this? What if I put it under contract and then turn around and sell the contract? Because I've kind of understood the concept, but I didn't really, I've never done it before. And I didn't really, um, I, I knew it could be done, but I just never done it before. It's like, you know what? Let, let me try it. Let me see if this works, right? So I, I ended up um, just getting a, a, a contract and then um, with the ability to assign, right? It's like, okay. So I called up my, um, you know, my friend and said, hey, are you working with any investor buyers, right? It's like, yeah, you know, I actually got this property, you know, because the ARV is around, you know, $500,000, right? And, um, and, and, and I, can get, I, I can get the property at like, 200,000, right? And I thought, hmm, so I, I so when I, when I saw the property, I actually, I, I, I tied it up and she actually gave me the keys, the owner gave me the keys to the property. So when I got the keys, I went in, okay? And it was, man, it was, it was wonky. The floor was wavy and stuff like that. And um, so I went back to this, to seller and said, you know what, this is, um, a lot more work than I anticipated would be because when I made the offer, granted, I didn't even go inside, it was just outside, but that's why it's so important to have a contingency, right? Contingency, inspection contingency. So um, she ended up giving me an extra $20,000 off. Okay, so now I've got it at 180. And long story short, my first, very first assignment ended up assigning it for 230, you know? So made about $60,000, right? My first assignment now, I was just so nervous, like, oh man, like, is this real? Can, can this really be, right? And when they closed and I got that check in my hands, like, wow. <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I was on hog heaven. I was like, man, this is, this is, this is awesome. I, like, I am truly blessed, you know? And, um, and then I thought, oh, wow, this does work. And then I did it again, you know? The, um, the, and so I kept, I kept doing that. So, so all of 2018, I just, you know, just, just did whole, wholesale deals. And I, I didn't realize this, you know, I was making 40, 60, sometimes $80,000 per transaction, right? For assignment fee until I started, um, you know, coming across other people that are wholesaling. And when they, were, when they were telling me what their assignment fee was, I thought, oh man, you know, cause some people are like 2000, 3000, 5000 or whatever, you know. And here I am making 40, 50, 60, sometimes 80. I think my highest one was like $90,000, right? So I was like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is incredible. And then I, I wanted to kind of switch, like, you know, I've done some wholesaling and I was like, you know, I want to do fix and flips, right? Um, so, 
So in 2019, which is just last year, so I mean, coming back, it's only been about two years, right? You know, a full two years that I'm back. So 2019, spent the time doing our, a fix and flip. You know, our first one um, we did, it was, we ended up um, getting it for like 650, put 50,000 into it, sold it for 810, right? Um, and then our, our second one, we, we just completed, um, and it was, we ended up paying six, about 750, put 200 into it, and we ended up selling it for uh, 1.35. So, um, but then I realized, you know what, man, um, no, fix and flip, I just takes too long. I like the quick in and out type thing, okay? And it kind of got me to, um, and that's kind of when I, you know, I was, I was doing fix and flip, I was kind of dabbling on with other types of real estate, right? And, and then I came across, you know, this creative financing, <laughs> you know, creative financing real estate, right? So when I did it for my first time, I didn't realize what I was doing until I look back and say, oh, I guess, I guess that was, right? Because sometimes you just don't know. And so my, my first creative deal was this, it was a, a lady that was going through a divorce. She, um, her income was gonna be cut in half. Mm -hmm. And she knew that she was gonna have a hard time affording the mortgage payment. So, and, and being a realtor, cause originally she wanted to, you know, have me list the property, right? And I said, you know, um, she, she owed like $280,000, okay? The property would have been at 330 or so in its condition, maybe 330. Then I said, by the time you pay realtor fees and this and that, you know, I mean, what, what would you, what are you hoping to walk away with? You know, she says, well, you know, honestly, if I can walk away $20,000, you know, I should be fine. And then a little light bulb came on my head. It's like, you know, okay. I, I said, what's your mortgage payment? She goes, $1,200. I was like, okay, $1,200, you want, uh, you owe, you know, 280 and maybe it's 330, if you put it on open market minus fee. So, okay, maybe 20,000 is, is, you know, I said, if I can give you 20,000, you know, would, would you let me take over your mortgage payments? And um, she said, well, how does that work? I said, well, it's no different than you renting it out, right? I just take over the, the, the mortgage payments and then um, and the $20,000, I, I can pay you. And why don't I just pay you that over time? I'll give you 5,000 now, another 5,000 in six months, and then just keep, you know, just keep spraying out the, the payments, right? And so she says, okay, um, I'll, let's, let's just do that, okay? Because at the time she was kind of uncertain if she would get a full price offer. And in this way she can get something that's, that's guaranteed. So that was like, and then, so I, I got it thinking, okay, well, I still had the whole wholesaling mindset, right? Thinking, hmm, I don't know if I, know if, if I wanna keep this or not. So I, I end up just talking to another investor, right? And she says, you know, Kido, I'll, I'll buy that from you. She goes, yeah, like, okay. Um, like how much you want? It's like, well, if you give me 10,000 assignment fee, you, you could take over the, you know, um, the, the, the contract. So that was like my first, then thinking back, it's like, okay, yeah, that is creative, taking something 
And then this is before I kind of researched on how to be more creative, right? You know, I was just kind of doing it like, okay. And then I, I, you know, and then I did a little more research and then, you know, then this guy, people keep mentioning this Pace Morby guy, <laughs> right? It's like, man, you know, cause I was in some kind of form and they mentioned about this, this guy named Pace Morby that does creative financing. Like, hmm, let me, let me Google, let me YouTube him and stuff. And I started doing these contents like, oh man, this is, I guess there is, I guess you could really make a business, you know, focusing on this type of acquiring properties, right? Because that's the thing, like with my bankruptcy and stuff, like I, I cannot get a loan, right? I can't even get a JCPenney, um, what was it, the credit card? <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> yeah, so it's like, all right. So, um, but I knew that if I apply this, I can, re I can rebuild my portfolio, right? And so the second one I did was actually, I actually helped my mom with this where um, she, she knew a friend that was going through foreclosure and um, she was willing to let us take over the mortgage payment. You know, at first she was just gonna sell it to my mom, right? I said, mom, why, why, do, why do you wanna take a loan to pay off another loan, right? Like, why don't you just, you know, um, take over her mortgage payment? How far behind is she? She's like, oh, she's like $20,000 behind and, and they're gonna foreclosure her next month, right? And, and it's like, okay, well, how, how much does she own on the property? What's the property worth, right? So kind of looked at the numbers, like, yeah, she could listen on the market, assuming she gets a full price offer, she probably will just walk away with a couple thousand dollars anyways, right? Because well, why don't you just offer her to take over her mortgage payment, get her caught up, right? So this way her credit is not bad, she must be rebuild her credit. And then um, we negotiate where, where she could stay there for like, couple months before she can move out, right? And so when that deal finally closed, my mom was saying, oh gosh, Keto, like I know you do real estate, but I didn't real, I didn't, she didn't realize that this was even possible, right? And so, so since then, I just been on, on this path of just really learning more about being creative. And I picked up, let's see, one, two, to, so I'm going on three. So I picked up like um, three properties, you know, that are creatively, right? And there's one deal that I'm doing right now. Um, I'm in the middle of where we picked it up for, for 515, okay? And um, we turn around, we're on, on a subject two, and our first mortgage payment's not due till January. But we, but we got somebody, it's, I call it subtail because we're taking subject two and then we're selling it to the retail market. Okay, so we got, we got an offer at 570, so which is set to close. And that would be like my first kind of like subtail deal, I guess if you want to call it that. So this uh, creative financing stuff, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and just being able to be creative. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're just really helping solve problems, right? It's like, you know, how can we solve a problem for, for, for the seller? Wow. Wow, Keto. That is such an amazing journey. First off, you're an amazing storyteller. Like you had me captivated from the very beginning and you carried me through. You answered so many questions. You dropped so much. I mean, I really want people to go back and re-listen to everything you just said because you took them on a journey just now. 
you know, and you arrived beautifully where you are currently with using creative finance, you know, and I do want to kind of stick here and deep dive this for a second, because it really is this powerful tool that a lot of people don't know, and they don't even know to think in this sort of way. They don't even know these options are available to them. So when you begin to present it, it's really opening up their imagination, opening up their mind of what is possible. And it makes them realize, wow, I was thinking so conventionally, and I was kind of trapped in a little bit of a box without ever questioning why the box was the way it was. So you present them options to their problems, solutions to their problems that no one else ever thought of just because you thought outside of the box, which really is, it can help, especially with what we think may be coming down the road. You're just in a position where you have more tools on your tool belt to go out into the world and solve more problems. You know, and you live in a pretty higher end market. You know, your market is one of the tougher markets where property values are pretty high. You know, so it really does come as a solution to a lot of folks where, you know, selling their house at a discount isn't something that's feasible, nor is it something that they want to do at that price point, more so because of a, like a psychological pride right? You know, if your home is worth 500,000 or 600,000 or in that price range for you to be told that you will accept 200, it's a little bit different than if we're talking about a, you know, $80,000 house and you're picking it up for 50 or 60,000. It's a much bigger blow to be told your house is worth $200,000 less, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's amazing. Keto. Wow. Seriously. That's amazing. So where are you now as far as, you know, real estate? So you're learning creative, you're learning from pace, you know, that's how you and I met through the sub two mentorship, which is unbelievable value. You know, just every day we're learning something new, meeting a network of amazing people, you know, so what is the, the goal you're working towards right now? What mountain do you find yourself currently climbing? Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I I really, you know, you know, want to start building my you know portfolio again so i can create that passive income where 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 i can have the choice you know not to say that i mean i, I don't want to just retire on the beach and just wither away right because i mean i i love being in action i i tell my wife it's like you know i'm gonna do real estate till the day i kick the can because there's there's so many facets to real estate i mean so many different ways of of, of acquiring real estate and different ways to twist and turn things. I mean, I just like putting a jigsaw puzzle puzzle together, right? Um, so yeah, right now, you know, what we're doing is, you know, rebuilding our portfolio. And so we can create that passive income. And at the same time, you know, being in this um, mentorship program that you and I have, and I've met so many incredible people and, and being able to partner up with them. Um, and, and now we're, I'm actually, you know, building a team, you know, where we've actually, right now we have you know, two full-time virtual assistants. They're doing calls daily, right? And, and I'm, I'm on the acquisition side. I follow with, with, with the phone call. And then um, my partner, Devin, you should get him on, on the call too. He's, uh, he's great. He's more of the integrator side. He, he keeps the pieces together. He's asked me what I need. And, and he, just, he just does the back end stuff. So I can just focus on talking to you know, motivated sellers. And, and then just today I've, I've talked to, um, we're actually, um, 
and we're calling it in a different market, um, not in, in the Seattle market, but we're calling in like the uh, Montana market because that's where I grew up on. And, and just today, you know, uh, came across a guy, he, he is motivated. He, he wants to sell because he's got some health issues, you know, and he does not, he knows his time is short and he does not want to leave, have his wife take care of his real estate because she doesn't know, you know, she, she doesn't know how to handle the, the business aspect of it. You know, so I, you know, propose like, hey, you know, if we can, you know, create a situation, if anything were to happen to you that your wife can still be able to collect each and every month, you know, would that something you'd be open to? And he was, he was gung-ho and, and it kind of gives me pride because we're offering a solution to somebody that can actually make a difference for him. Oh right? I mean, here's this guy, I mean, you know, he knows that his, his health is, he doesn't know when he's gonna, you know, what's gonna happen with his health, but he knows his health is, you know, is deteriorating. And, and to be able to say, you know what, if I can give you what you want and if anything were to happen, your, your wife is still gonna get income each and every month, you know, what would that do for you? So Keto, what's really interesting about you and what I really like is, and I don't know if you know this, you generate this kind of like this vibration, right? There's this vibe that like is felt from you that as you're speaking, I can feel the genuine coming off, right? And so I now know, you know, I wasn't there for this conversation, but I could just imagine, you know, this gentleman picking up the phone on the other side, thinking it's going to be another investor, maybe just trying to lowball him for the house or just get the house and not really care about his situation. And then he runs into you on the phone. And here's somebody that actually cares about the situation and really stops and thinks, well, look, I actually do have this solution that it will accomplish what you're looking to accomplish. It will provide you with an alternative that really can work in your best interest and that will truly be beneficial to you. And that's amazing because that's the mindset that a lot of folks don't necessarily step into the calls with and that they don't step into even business or life with, you know, and it's resonating off of you. It oozes off of you that when you interact with people, you do stop and take them and their position into such deep consideration. And I think that's something, that's a model that should be practiced. And it's a practical model for business. You know, it's not just something that it makes you feel good, although it does, but it also, it works, right? Because mm -hmm. at that point, people will want to work with you. You only want to do business with people that want to do business with you. So if you put their feelings in front of your own and their needs before your own, then it's always a recipe for building something great. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I really believe in just, you know, coming from, from contribution, right? It's like, even though we're investors, right, and we want to get a good deal, but if we approach it, it's like, how can we serve the seller, right? How can we serve them? Because, you know, um, the great Zig Ziglar, you know, one of, one of the greats, you know, um, you know he, he has a famous quote that I love because, you know what, you can get what you want as long as you can help other people get what they want. Right. And, and I found that to be so true. And just through throughout my whole career, it's just, you know, if I can just help people with what's pressing to them, you know, I'll eventually will, you know, will benefit, you know. So, I mean, that, that's how I try to approach, you know, the business, like how, how, how can I serve? How can I help? And, you know, and, and not every call is, is goes easy like that or, or you know, 
but you just the, the thing is you know come with a serving heart that's true and you know when you go out into the world with that mindset and this is something i like i really hope people are listening to and picking up on you're not going to be the right fit for everybody but for the people that you are the right fit it's going to be the perfect fit especially if you go out there with that mindset of how can i help and you're preparing yourself and you're arming yourself with the correct tools right because not only do you want to help but now you're also capable of creating something that truly does do them good and does them justice so you know something uh, i noticed when i was uh, doing a little research on you and checking out just like your facebook and things of that nature i saw like you know some 10x stuff right um uh, mm-hmm. with cardone which yes I think Grant, it's interesting. I think he gets a bad rep because of just like his energy and personality type. But then when you take the time to listen to him and study him, you actually find out the guy's a pretty, I personally think he's like a really decent human being, you know, and he comes from things with that thought process that we're talking about of being of service, right? Mm -hmm. And something he says that I'm sure will resonate with you and you already know this is becoming successful is your duty right? Mm -hmm. Because if you truly want to help the world, you can do more to help the world if you are in a position where you have more resources and you yourself don't need help. So is that something that, you know, resonates you and drives, drives you from within? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's like, you know, because, you know, like once you succeed and when you're succeeding, right? I mean, you, you can definitely, you can help more, more people. You know, and one of the things that, uh, you know, my wife and I, and we've been doing this for years, even during the time where we had nothing, right? We were, we needed help ourselves, right? But um, I remember one year, I mean, we, we didn't have anything, but she, she knitted um, hats, right? And we went out and on, you know, Christmas Eve, you know, gave out hats that my wife knitted throughout, you know, because, you know, when she's like at home, whatever, just kind of her hobby, she knit and just, you know, just serving others, right? And sometimes, you know, you do what you can with what you have, right? And then obviously, you know, the more you have, you know, the, the more you can give. I like that because, you know, it's something that we hear a lot of people say is, you know, if I had more to give, I would, right? Or, you know, if I had this, I would then do that. But the truth is you have to be able to do it at all points in time, right? So, you know, like you're saying, even when you guys had little, you still gave. And that's ultimately what's building that muscle, because that's letting you know, this is who you truly are. And I think those tough times, you know, I think you'd agree with this, that those tough times, you know, they're there for a reason. They're there to show us who we truly are. And they ultimately strengthen you. Something I heard, and I think this would be uh, good for the listeners to hear as well, especially after having listen to your story is something I learned recently is in the winter time when we look outside and we see the trees it seems like they're dying as the leaves are falling and everything seems like it's uh just shutting down and breaking down it's winter time it's a hard time what's actually going on that we don't see is beneath the earth the roots are actually digging deeper right and they're growing stronger they're growing wider that network is diving deeply into the earth to pull more nutrients. And now as spring begins to roll back around, the tree has deeper roots, its trunk grows thicker, its branches grow stronger, and the tree can actually bear more fruit. 
But if it didn't go through the winter time and the tree tried to create the same amount of fruit that it's creating next spring, its branches wouldn't even be strong enough to hold all the fruit that it would be blessed with. So the winter times come to ultimately strengthen us so that we can receive the blessings and receive the fruit that we're asking for. And it's a, it's such an interesting thing because a lot of folks, you know, they, they want the blessings. They may look at what you have now and say, oh man, keto is the man. I want that. Well, then if you want that, you also need to be willing to accept the winter times that come with it because it's a part of the balance. Yeah, that, that is so true. You know, um, I, I love that analogy, um, you know, of just the, the winter time. And I mean, just, just listening to that, it just, it's so true in life, you know, we're going through those, those dark times, you know, it, it may look like nothing's happening, but you're really, you know, developing from within internally because you, you, you don't see it, right? So that's, that's great analogy. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Of course. So I do have a question for you because, you know, that's a, it's a part of the mindset, right? And it's a part of the faith. So, you know, how important to you is it to work on your mindset and to work on your faith? And I would ask a second question with that is, how do you, do you allocate time to that? You know, is that like a daily practice, a weekly practice, a monthly practice, a once a year thing? Like, what does that look like in your life today? And what did it look like also leading up until today? You know, it's, it's, it's something that I, I practice daily, right? Um, you know, just having that mindset, it's like, it's like exercising, right? You just don't exercise one day and expect to get a six pack, right? <laughs> and, and big biceps, right? It's, it's, it's something that you do daily, even when you get to that level, if you don't, right, you'll start to shrink away, right? And so, you know, you know, everything that we do, it happens twice in life. Once inside, right, in your head, and then next, you're gonna see it happen, right? And so it's like when an architecture, when an artist, you know, when they create a masterpiece, it, it just doesn't exist out there. It first existed in their mind. Once in their mind, then it comes to real life. And so that's the thing about, you know, developing our own mental toughness, right? Because, you know, when we go through those hard times, we gotta be prepared. Like, you know, everybody, no matter what, what we're, we're gonna go through seasons, right? Like you mentioned, we're gonna go through, you know, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall, you know, we're gonna experience all those seasons, but those seasons, right? will use correctly, right? If we change the way we look at, at, the, at, at what's happening, it's there to help shape us. Right, so yeah, so day, I, it's so important. I, I really practice, you know, like envision myself, like, you know, like the things that I want to achieve. And, and I wake up early in the morning, you know, and I mean, have you ever read the book, The Miracle uh, Morning? Um, oh my great, gosh. Great book, great book. I still book. have not read that book and I can't believe I haven't because everyone keeps telling me I'm adopting the practices because I wake up at 4 a.m. and have a whole morning mm -hmm. ritual. And they're like, oh, you must have read it. I'm like, I still haven't read it. Right. Yeah. It was interesting because, you know, before I was reading that, I was like you, I was kind of practicing it, but then really, you know, and um, so, and then so I realized, yeah, that's, you know, and, and that can contribute. It's, it's so important because your day gets away from you, right? Especially you have kids and stuff like that. So you really have to allocate time. So like you, I get up early in the morning, 
you know, before everybody else does, I, I do my meditation, I, I do, you know, my reading and my writing, you know, and just, just, in, just to in, get my mind set for the day. And then that's, that's the day, you know, that time is for me. It's, it's a time for keto, right? So, so that I can prepare myself to be out in, in, in this world because, you know, the world's going to throw lots of stuff at you throughout the day and, and you just got to be men mentally prepared. So yeah, the, the right mindset is in, in important. I listen to stuff, inspirational stuff on the daily. Like every single day, I'm listening to something motivational, something inspirational, I'm reading something. And, you know, and, and, and I, and I want to hang out with people like yourself who, who is, you know, who is on that path, right? And who is that same mindset? It's because the people you hang around with makes a big difference too, right? If you hang around people that are negative, you're going to end up being negative, right? So, so it's so important that the company that, that you keep. So, and I tell you, uh, Marlon, I, I really appreciate the time just really talking to you. I mean, you are a great interviewer. You really know how to draw stuff out of people. So I, I appreciate you just drawing stuff out of me. Thank you. I appreciate you for coming on and sharing. It really, you know, I sat and I listened and it, you took me on a journey. You truly did. And it was worth sitting there and hearing everything you had to say because there was so much value behind it. And there was so much truth and realness. And it was your story. It was your testimony. You know, I appreciate that you would share it because it does bring value. And what you did today is essentially you provided something that's so crucial for the world, right? You provided your truth. And there's something to be said about when somebody shares their truth, because whether or not everyone in the world agrees with your truth or rallies behind it, people resonate with it. And on their own experience, they feel comfortable to share their truth. So you become something like a, a lighthouse in the darkness. When people are trying to navigate the ocean and get to shore, you know, they see you and you become that beacon for them. And you're not quite sure ever who's ever watching. Actually, there's something I have written on my wall back there. And it says, you will never be able to truly measure your impact. Because when you put that piece of yourself out there, that's so genuine, you're never quite sure who's going to pick up on it. But when it's the, the right thing, it never is the wrong thing. And that I appreciate so much. So you did that tonight. And I'm excited for like, just I know that because it happens when stuff like this comes together, that people are going to reach out and they're just going to say, wow, thank you. Thank you, Keto. Please connect me to him. It, it happens every single time when stuff, when the conversation gets like this, because people are, people are starving for this, you know, and there's so much content out there that isn't doing anything to help people. It's the intention behind it isn't to grow them and to help them. And that's what your message is. It has that intention behind, you know, every word you speak, you're looking to, you know, ultimately to do God's mission, right? To come out here and to grow, grow each other, grow yourself and grow spiritually, you know? And I, I, I absolutely love it. And I truly do appreciate it. Well, th thank you so much. It is a, a pleasure. And, um, you know, and I just want to acknowledge you as a principal who you are. Um, I've, I've heard about you before I even met you. So that's, 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 that's the impact that you're making in, into this world. 
right? I've heard so many great things. Like I keep hearing Mar Marlon, Marlon's like, who's this guy, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, and then I ended up re reaching out. So I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that, um, you know, I, I appreciate your, your generosity, your openness, your willingness to just jump in, just to help out. Um, so yeah, so, so thank you and, and, and what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're creating a, a movement that you didn't even realize that you were creating. So thank you for what you do. Oh, I appreciate that. So I do have two really awesome questions for you before I let you run out of here. And yeah. these are two questions that I always ask every guest at the end of the show. The first question is because I like reading. I love reading. It's where I gain a lot of my knowledge and it was it opens up my mind and makes paradigm shifts. Mm -hmm. So I would ask you to name only two books, right? I'm sure you have a lot, but I want you to name two books that have been complete paradigm shifts. And earlier you already said Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So we're going to take that one off. So two books besides Rich oh, Dad. Two books Dad. besides that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've read so many books. Wow. Um, you know, uh, I, Recently, I've just read a book by David Goggins, you know, Can't Hurt Me. That is an incredible book. Talk about like toughness, oh right? Like this guy, the Navy SEALs, right? And, and even to go through what they call Hell Week, just reading about what they do, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Like, I don't think I could even do a fraction of what these guys do. So, so that's really, you know, I mean, and just, just his, his story of how, you know, he was overweight, you know, didn't have the confidence to who he is now, just really a testament of, of what the human body can do, right? You know, and then you get the, the mind and the body and how you can just push yourself beyond what you think you can actually do. So... Um, Cause that's just, you know, definitely David Goggins can hurt me. Great book. And of course, you know, it, I'm sure your guests have probably mentioned this book, um, Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That is a classic. That is a classic. I've read that book several times, many times. And um, yeah, I, I just love the book and it's just so, so true, right? Like it, it, it everything starts from, from how we think, how we process starts internally. So um, it's a classic book. I definitely would recommend that book. Oh man, I love it. Yeah, Think and Grow Rich has been, that was probably the book that really like took my brain, rattled it around and put it back on my head. And I said, what just happened? Mm -hmm. So I, Yeah, great book. And uh, you know, as far as David Goggins, I have an interesting story. So I live here in New York. And one day I was out in the city, I believe it was last summer or two summers ago. And I'm at the park. I used to do parkour. So well, I still do parkour and I'm playing in the park, having a meetup. So I had a lot of people out and at some point I stopped and I just kind of had this weird feeling like, huh, like something feels, it was just a feeling that made you stop. You know, I, I can't quite explain it. It was just a very strong feeling. And I was trying to figure out why I was having this feeling. And I turn and I look behind me and David Goggins is just running by. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's him. Like he's creating this energy. And it mm -hmm. was the strangest thing. Like he had, it was like a force field of energy 
with him as he was running down. And I said, wow, that's a, there's people, we're all special. And then there are people that are so obviously and clearly special that the entire world notices all Mm -hmm. at the same time. David Goggins is definitely one of those humans, you know, and it's interesting because even like, as I'm talking to you, I'm able to pick up some of your energy from over here on the other side, literally the other side of the country. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, wow, like keto is an interesting human. Like I'm so grateful to have met you. Uh, The pleasure is all mine, Marlon. So I do have one more question for you now. And this one is my favorite question of all, right? So let's imagine tomorrow you wake up and you have no recollection of anything that's happened up until this point. You don't have your memories. You don't remember about, you know, escaping Laos. You don't remember about high school and college and real estate. And, you know, your family is still safe. They're around. You just don't remember them. You know, so you wake up in the house, you know, you're safe, you know, but you don't even remember your name. However, inside your head, there is one thought. There's one little piece of wisdom just sitting there. And for whatever reason, you don't question it. You just accept it as truth and you begin to work with it. Whatever reason, you're just, you're just accepting this piece of wisdom that's already in there. What would you want that piece of knowledge to be? Mm, wow, that's, um, what would I want that knowledge to be? I, I guess, you know, I, I would want that knowledge, you know, to, to be like, like fill forward. Because um, I think in life, you know, we're so afraid of failing that we, that we're afraid to try, right? Um, and there's, there's times where even as, even your journey to entrepreneur, when you're so, you know, used to having that steady paycheck coming in maybe two weeks, right. And to not be like, you know, but you don't know where your next meal is coming from, right. Just having that, that fear and, and not taking action. So yeah, I guess, you know, just, just, just knowing that, you know, where, where I am, just knowing that if I can just feel forward, that I will eventually get to where I want to be. I like that answer a lot. I like it so much that it makes me look at my wall and I have that written on my wall in front of me. Oh, yes. <laughs> I do. I, I have fail forward and I have fail fast, learn fast, fix fast. Mm. So it's that's amazing. So Keto, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. You know, I know that this was valuable for me and I know it was valuable for the listeners. I do want to ask if people are interested in connecting with you or following your journey and, you know, because you do post some really amazing videos on Facebook, um, you know, how can people get in contact to you? How can they connect with you? Where should they go to find you? Yeah, I mean, they can find me on on, on Facebook. Um, you know, during the COVID, I've, I've been silent for a while, but, uh, you know, but yes, usually Facebook's a great, great way to uh, great way to connect with me. Okay, awesome. So guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the link to Keto's Facebook in the description below. So you'll easily be able to go over there, connect with him, watch some of the videos that he has. And, you know, if you're in the neighborhood or if you're in the area, I'm sure that you would love to meet up with them. And if not, then, you know, just connect with him on social media. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So feel free to connect. I mean, I'd love to, you know, connect with like-minded individuals. Awesome. Well, Kito, thank you so much for tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you, Marlon. Thank you for all that you do. Wow. What a powerful story. I mean, Kito, thank you for coming on. That was so insane. Hopefully you all were listening and you really got something of value out of today's episode. I really want you to understand that sometimes your life will have struggles. It will be tough. It's going to be hard to push through. But if you keep going, you are always going to find something better on the other side. Please don't ever quit. And if you found anything of value in this episode, if it was motivational, inspirational, taught you something new, or made you think in a brand new way, I want you to pass this episode along with a friend. Make sure that this value is being spread so that others in your community, others in your network can continue to grow as well because you never know who needs to hear this. So make sure you're doing your part and passing it along and make sure you go and you find Keto on Facebook, find Keto on Instagram, shoot him a DM, let him know what you thought, tag me in a post, share this on social media. I mean, I freaking love it when you guys share this stuff on social media and you tag me. It lets me know that these episodes, that these podcasts are worthwhile. And I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode where I sit down and I interview Robert Gill. That's going to be a fun one. So be on the lookout for that.